The number 1-855-821-5900. Welcome back for another edition of the Employment Hour. Help at employmenthour.com to get a hold, reach out, and contact Lee or a member of his team. We'll get to it in just a bit here, but always, 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 first place you go when it comes to your severance, that is severancepaycalculator.com. Brother, we always start with the week. There was some uh, interesting and curious things that have been happening at the office on your desk. Uh, what do you got uh, this week? Uh, another uh, very interesting, another very busy week. A lot mm-hmm. of uh, people that I've spoken with answered questions, people that reached out wanting to know what their rights are. And that's great. You know, A lot of people don't want to get on the radio show. A lot of people don't want to get on our TV show that you and I do on the weekends. People want to just talk about their rights privately. So by all means, call me. Email me. We're going to give you my contact information probably a dozen times throughout this show. So there's no excuse not to reach out if you want to know how to deal with a workplace problem. Maybe it's your boss mistreating you or putting you in a performance improvement plan. Maybe it's harassment or discrimination, bullying. Maybe you've been let go, been laid off temporarily. By the way, that's illegal. So all those things and much, much more. Call me. Let's talk about your rights. Let's solve those problems. And let's, at the very least, help you sleep better at night knowing what uh, that you know now what your rights are. And the week there was, a couple of situations I want to talk about uh, right here. Now, John, I've often talked, well, probably hundreds of times talked about the idea of severance. You know, you lose your job, you get severance. But there are also situations, and uh, at least one that I can think of I'm going to talk about right now, where you may get severance even though you've never actually worked for the company. Nice. So uh, this came from a call that uh, that I got this week. And this uh, person received a job offer uh, at a a doctor's office, a large doctor's office as an office manager, and uh, accepted the job for for her. It was going to be a nice promotion, a nice step up in her career, so she was very pleased to take that offer. And she accepted the offer. She uh, quit her other job uh, and was looking forward to start. She she even signed an employment agreement with her start date, her salary. Everything is ready to go. Well, wouldn't you know it, on the Thursday before the Monday that she was about to start, she gets a call from uh, the to-be boss, I guess, and saying, well, we've had a change here. Unfortunately, we're not going to need this position after all. We feel really bad. We're very sorry. Uh, sorry for all the trouble we put you through, uh, but we're not going to be uh, having you join us after all. Now, she was distraught. Other than the fact that she thought that this is a great career move for her and it's not going to happen now, she actually quit her job. She had a job, she was a secure job, and she's now going to be unemployed because they changed their mind. Wow. Well, she called me, and she wanted to know what her rights are. Well, here's the thing, John. This is a situation where we actually call a wrongful hire. We've heard of wrongful dismissal. Yep. A wrongful hire is a situation where someone is relying on your promise that you're hiring them, and then you take that promise away, you, you renege on the deal, and they lose something. In this case, she lost the job that she had. So what does that mean? It means that the new company, the one that was going to employ her, the doctor's office, have to compensate her, essentially have to pay her the severance she would have gotten from her previous company, which for her, that would have been right around six or seven months' pay. So even though she never worked for them, even though she never started there, she could be owed six to seven months' pay because they changed their minds. And because they changed their minds, she lost her job. They knew she quit her job. So it's a, it's a big problem for this particular company. And I want you to understand that. If you are relying on a promise 
and that promise gets broken and as a result you lose something, you may be owed compensation. That's something you should always reach out to me. Don't assume that you have no solution. This is a perfect example of that, John. You know, as enlightening as that is, realizing that she would get severance from this company, be it for, for wrongful hire, I bet you 99.9% of people would have no clue they could do that. And they would probably run back to the former employer hat in hand saying, I need my job back. Please give me my job back. And by the way, there's no guarantee that even if you do that, it's going to work. It's right. not like they're going to just take you back because you want the job back. But you're absolutely right. Most people would have no clue and i even think this person didn't think that 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 she's owed anything frankly i think frankly i think she called me because she was very upset uh not because she actually thought i could help her and as it so happens i can help her and i am helping her and i'm going to make sure she gets what she's owed no problem 1-855-821-5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca what else you got going on well uh, let me talk about this situation this is not something that uh, came out of uh, a file or a matter i spoke with but uh, the uh, provincial government recently announced, uh, headed by uh, Doug Ford, that they're going to be potentially rolling back yep. Bill 148. The, the minimum the wage increase? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, so Bill 148 was implemented by the uh, Liberal government last year, and it did a few things. It, for example, increased minimum wage, mm-hmm. but it also increased vacation pay for people with more than five years seniority. It also provided for paid sick leave for, for all employees. Uh, it did a number of other things as well. It provided for uh, a paid on-call duties, a, a number of other changes. And Doug Ford is suggesting he may take all that back. He may roll all that back. I'm not going to get into the politics of it, but here's what I want to say. If Doug Ford, if the, the federal government, uh, the provincial government decides that all those changes are gone, they're a thing of the past, we'll get rid of them. And your employer says, ah, okay, now I'm going to reduce your pay from th- a vacation pay from three weeks to two weeks. Right. And now I'm no longer going to give you paid sick days, all those things. Well, that is actually could be a constructive dismissal. If your employer changes the terms because now they feel that they don't have to provide you those things, that's actually wrong. The fact that they were required to do it and now are no longer required to do it doesn't change it, doesn't change it at all. It's still a constructive dismissal. So if your employer changes the terms of employment, if it's because the provincial government does something or not, it doesn't matter. It could still be a constructive dismissal. So there's a lesson there for employers too. Just because the provincial government may get rid of certain things doesn't mean that you can change the terms of employment. That may mean with new hires, you don't have to offer them the Moving extra forward, vacation, sure. et cetera. Yeah. But for your existing employees, you have to be very, very careful to change those terms of employment. Otherwise, you may find yourself in a constructive dismissal situation. We are, uh, as they say, cleaning out the inbox today. We have a ton of emails to get through, so we will do that. It is help at employmenthour.com. By the way, you want to send one over. Other than that, the email, the phone number works as well, one 821 5900 Lots more. Uh, the Employment Hour is on the way right here at Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The number, as always, you know it, one 821 5900 Email is help at employmenthour.com. If you've ever wondered what your severance should be, possibly a severance offer, Sitting in front of you, almost guaranteed you're getting shortchanged. Simple cure. Either call the number or go to severancepaycalculator.com uh, as well. Want to get to Brian here, Lior. First email of the show says, um, I've never taken more than one week's vacation in five years. I've worked for my company. Uh, this year I want to take, wow, two weeks off around the holidays. And my employer says, nope, you can't do it. It's not going to happen. What can you do? Well, first of all, you know, very tough situation. If you only take one week's vacation for five years, you're probably going to burn out. So, so not a good idea. So a couple of things I want to say about that. First is just because you haven't been taking vacation doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting your vacation pay. pay. 
So every year you should be getting your vacation pay, even if you haven't taken the vacation. So make sure you've gotten that. At a minimum, you should have gotten the equivalent of two weeks pay. And if you've taken one, you should be getting another one week's pay. So if you haven't been paid vacation pay, if he hadn't, Brian, then he should go to his employer and make sure that he gets that. You should get that immediately on the next check. Shouldn't wait on that. But the real question he's asking is, well, I want to take two weeks vacation. Can my employer say no? Well, the short answer is yes. Your employer does have a right to schedule your vacation. So while they can't say, sorry, this year you can't take two weeks, they can say you can't take two weeks during this time because we're too busy. So your employer does have a right to schedule your vacation or to approve or disapprove of your vacation. And you can't just say, well, too bad, I'm going to do it anyway. But if your employer says, well, for the year, we're not going to allow you to take two weeks, that is illegal. They can't stop you and prevent you from taking that vacation. They can just decide when you're going to take it. Mm -hmm. So uh, talk to your employer. Try to work out a time that's convenient to take that vacation. Make sure you get your outstanding and accrued vacation pay from the past. And if there's any problems, you call me. Is there a minimum for vacation, not vacation pay, is there a minimum for vacation for employees in Ontario or So Canada? right now, until uh, the uh, provincial government changes the rules, if they do, is you, at a minimum, you should be getting two weeks uh, paid vacation per year. Mm-hmm. If you've worked for more than five years, it goes up to three weeks vacation. So if you work for six years, it's, it's three weeks. If you work for four years or less, it's two weeks. Uh, and that means your vacation time and vacation pay you have to get. Uh, anything less than that would be a violation of the Employment Standards Act. Daryl, up next, says I was just given a termination letter that uh, offers me 12 weeks severance after four and a half years with my company. The HR manager says that if I hire a lawyer, the company will... <laughs> I love this. They said that if I hire a lawyer, the company will refuse to pay me my 12 weeks. Do I have to accept the offer? Well, let me reframe this. Mm-hmm. Let me talk about a different scenario and hopefully makes the point. So, John, if I owe you $100 mm-hmm. and I say, John, I owe you 100 but I'm going to pay you 50 You probably do, by the way, but that's okay. Do I? Sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> but if I say I owe, I'm, I'm going to pay you 50 yeah. but, John, if you hire a lawyer, I'm not even going to pay you that 50 well, you'd think I'm crazy, and that would be crazy. And you'd say, "You're you're 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 being really dumb here because yeah. you owe me a hundred bucks," and that's the same thing here. If you're owed severance, then you're gonna get that severance. If you're offered less than that, then you should be getting it, and whether you hire a lawyer or not. So this is a tactic that an employer may use to try to convince you to accept, to push you, to try to uh, prevent you or discourage you from seeking advice. And I can tell you for him, after those years of service, he could be owed six months pay. Mm -hmm. So if he was offered 12 weeks, that's half, half of what he's owed. So don't worry about that. The law decides how much severance you get. Your company doesn't decide. They don't get to say, well, we're not gonna pay it. Sorry, the law is gonna take care of that for you. So don't hesitate. Give me a call, let's talk, don't be bullied. We'll get to one more here before we uh, we take a break. Dana is up next. Again, it's help at employmenthour.com says, I've been off on a stress leave for two months, but uh, don't want to go back to work because I'm afraid of how I'll be treated. What do I do? Well, that's a very common scenario where you, you've gone off work because of the work environment, because of the work situation, and now you're getting better. But you don't want to go back because you don't want to put yourself back in the same scenario yeah. that caused the problems to begin with. So here's what I want to do. Now, the question is, can we prove what's happened? Can we prove that harassment, that mistreatment? If she can prove it, if there's records, if there's something in writing, then she may not have to go back at all. She may be able to treat her employment as being constructively dismissed right now and not go back and get her full severance still. If she can't prove it, 
I think the best thing would be to go back to work, but for a short period of time and start documenting things. Uh, if she's being mistreated, write it down, maybe send an email confirming what happened, create that record, and then we can get you out of there. Then we can get you out with your full severance. What I don't want her to do, her to do is I don't want her to walk away from her rights. So if you can prove that mistreatment, that harassment, if you can show that right now, you don't have to go back to work. I can get you out of there. I can get you your full severance. If you can't, Let's think about you going back to work for a few weeks, start documenting, start writing things down, and then we're gonna be in a position to get you out of there. Let's do it smartly. Before you quit, before you do anything, call me. Let's sit down and let's have a plan of attack here so that you don't leave your rights on the table. Danny, you know the email? It's help at employmenthour.com with a phone call to follow up, 1-855-821-5900. Stand by, lots more of the Employment Hour is on the way, right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's the number to get a hold of the team at Lior's office or Lior himself. Help at employmenthour.com. That is the address uh, you want to use to get through the emails that we're reading on uh, today's show. Bill, you're up next. Says I've been working for my employer for the last year. I'm considered part time, but I work thirty to thirty five hours a week. I think they'll be letting me go. Do I lose my severance because I'm not full time? I get that question often, John. People think that well, part-time employees don't get don't severance. They don't yeah. qualify. They don't have the same entitlements as full-time employees. So let's be very clear. If you have a job and if you lose that job, you are owed severance. doesn't matter if you're full-time, part-time, casual, or otherwise, you get your severance. Now, this person doesn't actually sound that part-time to me if they work 30 to 35, but that's semantics. It doesn't really matter. It matters that they are, have a job and they lose their job. So what does that mean? If they lose their job, they get severance based on their age, their position, and the length of your em- their employment. And to calculate that severance, we'll simply look at what their average earnings are. So on average in a week, if they make $500, then that's the figure we're going to use. And if she gets six months of, or Bill gets six months of severance, we're going to use that figure to calculate his six months of severance. So it's an important question by Bill, and it's an important question for everyone out there listening. You may have a job that's part-time. It may be something you're doing on the side, or maybe you're doing that to supplement your full-time income. No problem. If you have a part-time job that way and you lose that job, you still get severance. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com to find out how much you're owed, or you can call me and I'll help you make sure you get it. You mentioned the uh, you know the weekly average based on the weekly salary. Uh, you do the same thing with somebody in a sales position, right? Because I mean that that pay and that that income can go up and down. Yeah, very common for salespeople. Yeah. You know, you have a good week sometimes, or a bad week, and a bad month, a good year, and it can change from week to week, month to month, year to year. So the question always arises: Well, I don't have a fixed income, Leo. So how are we going to calculate my severance? Well, very simple. We're going to look at an average. Depending on how long you've worked there, we'll look at either six months or 12 months or even three years on average uh, to determine what is the average compensation and use that to calculate your severance. So just because you're uh, making compensation that changes doesn't mean you don't get severance. And that also doesn't mean that that severance should be calculated on the lowest amount that you've you've earned. Uh, Your employer may often say, well, you know, you had a bad month last month. You only made $1,000 for the month, so we're going to use that to calculate your severance. But no, wait a second. If you look at an average, I make $5,000 in a month. So that's the figure we should use, not the lowest figure because it suits the employer. Severancepaycalculator.com. Again, the place you want to go to find out how much severance you wrote. Very simple to use. There's absolutely no charge for it. Take you about 30 seconds. And there's also a contact button at the bottom if you want to reach out to Lior. If not, just walk away and have the knowledge uh, in your head. Ron, next up in the email says, I've been struggling with a drinking problem over the last year. 
I think my employer is starting to suspect that there is something wrong, and I'm afraid they may let me go because of it. If I am let go, is there anything that I can do? Well, I want everyone to understand that a drinking problem, alcohol dependency, or drug dependency for that matter, is considered a disability. It's a disability like any other. No, no difference than if you had a, a herniated disc which prevented you from standing for long periods of time. It's a disability, which means you cannot be punished for having that disability. The problem with alcoholism is it could be an invisible disability. Right. It's not clear if I look at someone that they have an alcohol dependency problem. So if you're struggling with alcoholism and it's starting to impact your job, as hard as it is, you should tell your employer. You should make sure that they understand that you have this issue, that you're trying to deal with it, that, that you're, you're responsible enough to know that you're not going to let it impact your, your work. But if you come, if you come off, uh, off one day not feeling well or, or not looking great, that may be it. Because once you put them on notice of that happening, they can't let you go. They can't punish you. They can't say, well, you, uh, you, you came in a bit late today, uh, so we're letting you go. They can't do that because clearly it's tied to your disability. Now, uh, I know it's hard. I know no one likes to go to their boss and say, I have an alcohol dependency problem. I, I'm an alcoholic. But if you don't do that, you, you run the risk that your employer may punish you because they're not going to know. They're going to think maybe you're just slacking off, that you're not actually dealing with a real medical issue. So because of that, be honest, tell your employer. And if you get penalized for that, if you get punished, disciplined, fired, whatever it is, that's illegal. That could be a human rights violation call me at that point because the law has no patience for employers that let someone go or mistreat them because of a disability. You mentioned being invisible that with an alcohol or drug problem. Would the same metric be, uh, would the same work for someone who say depression or anxiety? You can't see it all the time, right? Yeah, very clear, very often with mental health issues, you know, depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, even things such as uh, fibromyalgia, which you can't necessarily see and, and it's not obvious. Anything like that that you can't see doesn't matter uh, that, that it can't be seen. As long as it's legitimate, as long as the doctors can corroborate that it exists, that you have that issue, that you're suffering from uh, anxiety or bipolar disorder, that is a legitimate medical issue and you cannot be punished in any way even if it impacts your job, even if sometimes you have to miss work because of it, even if you may not always perform at peak uh, condition, because of, that, because of that medical situation, as long as you have a doctor willing to corroborate it, you cannot be punished. It's a human rights violation. It's very easy to see someone that broke their leg. You know they have a broken leg. You see their cast. You see them limping. But there are many other disabilities that are invisible, but they're just as legitimate, and the law protects you just the same. Stand by, Elizabeth. Your email is up next. You want to send one along for the remainder of the show, do so. Help at employmenthour.com. Other than that, the phone call to get a hold of the uh, firm anytime we're not on the air, Lior included, 1-855-821-5900. Employment Hour continues right here, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-855-821-5900, you know that number by now, that's to get a hold of Lior at the firm and to help at employmenthour.com as well. That's the email address. Elizabeth, as promised, up next says, I've uh, had two surgeries over the past 10 months and had to miss work. Uh, for a few weeks at each time. When I came back, my employer told me that I have exhausted all my leave days and I can't take any more time off. What happens if I need to miss more work for medical reasons? Yeah, this is another employer that confuses policies about leave and having a legitimate medical condition. So yep. let's be very clear. It doesn't matter how many days off your employer is allowing you to have. If you're legitimately unable to work, 
for legitimate, a legitimate medical reason, and a doctor corroborates that, you can be off work as long as needed. Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a year or longer. And the employer can't say, sorry, you only get two weeks off, so if it's been more than two weeks, you've resigned or you've been let go. That's illegal. That's a human rights violation. Let's be very, very clear. So I don't really care about that. I don't care about policies. I care about what does your doctor say. So if you're going to be off work, make sure you give something to the employer from a doctor. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to have surgery, sir. I'm going to be gone for the next three weeks. You can do that. But if you're dealing with an employer that's going to give you a hard time, give them something from a doctor. Because once you do, they can't say they didn't know. They can't say they didn't believe you. They can't come up with any excuse. You protect yourself by providing something from a doctor. And if you do that, you can be off as long as needed. So what, what should you do? Focus on getting better. As simple as that, do what you have to to get better. And if your employer gives you a hard time, you reach out to me. Is the whole concept of sick days, is that more of a union thing or is that in the non-union scenario as well? Well, it applies to union and not union. And sick days often has to do with how many paid days right. your employer is going to give you. And some employers say, we have a policy, we give you six uh, paid sick days a year. That's great. That's very nice. But if you need to be off for 60 days, you can still be off. You're just not going to get paid for all of them. But it doesn't change the fact that you, you can be off. And what do you do for money? Well, the company may have a short-term disability plan or a long-term disability plan that you can apply to. You can also apply for EI, medical benefits, when you can't work for, for uh, sickness. So all those things will protect you. The, the fact that the company has a sick day policy doesn't mean you cannot be off work if you're sick, if you cannot be off, if you cannot work and your doctor corroborates it, you can be off as long as needed. 1-855-821-5900, that number, use it if you need to, just have it with you. In any regard, help at employmenthour.com is the email. Brady, I'm next, is just curious if it's correct that I'm an independent contractor. Uh, I'm a truck driver and work for one logistics company and they own the truck. I see this often with truck drivers, I see it with other industries, but certainly with truck drivers, very often they're treated as independent contractors. Maybe you're driving your, your rig right now and you're listening to us and you say, wait a second, I'm an independent contractor. Well, not so fast. Well, you're not an independent contractor unless you run your own business, unless you're driving for multiple companies, unless you own the truck and, and you use the truck for various companies, unless you have people that work for you. If you go, you drive a truck, you drive it, and then you come home and you go back the next day and do the same thing, you are an employee, okay? So in this situation, the person that wrote us the email, he doesn't own the truck, he works for one company, of course he's an employee. It doesn't matter what they call him, it doesn't matter how they pay the, their taxes, it doesn't even matter if he's incorporated a, a company. The law will consider him to be an employee, and that's important because he may be owed such things as overtime and vacation pay and certainly severance if he is let go. So all you truckers out there, remember, the law may consider you to be an employee despite what you believe, even despite what the company that you work for believes. So keep that in mind. And if you want to stand up for your rights, the law is going to protect you. And by the way, this doesn't just apply to truckers. It applies in many industries, in many jobs where people are misclassified as independent contractors, when they're really employees. If you look like an employee and act like an employee, you're an employee. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. It, I mean, it seems pretty cut and dry. So why do employers do it? Why do they insist that you're a, a, you know, an independent contractor? Well, it's, it's very simple. It's a lot cheaper to have an independent contractor huh. than to have an employee. You don't provide benefits. You don't have to pay the government EI and CPP. You don't have to worry about deducting amounts from taxes. You don't have to run a payroll system. It's simple. You work five hours, I'll pay them for that time, I write a check, and I'm done. Uh, I don't have to worry about vacation pay. I don't have to worry about overtime, statutory holiday. 
But again, if it was that easy, John, everyone would do it. Sure. Why would anyone hire an employee? I'd rather not have to worry about those things either as a business owner. But I do it because I have to. Because the law says these folks are employees and you trying to call them something else doesn't change that reality. What are the pitfalls on both sides as an employer and employee if you're classified as an independent contractor? Or well, is there any? They're, they're big pitfalls. Other than the fact that, for example, the, the company may realize one day, oh, wait a second, these people were employees. So now we have to pay them potentially two years outstanding vacation pay, two years outstanding minimum wage and holiday pay pay and overtime. That's already a problem. But there also could be problems with CRA, with our friends uh, at the income tax office. Because if the company doesn't withhold taxes and doesn't remit EI and CPP, well, CRA is not going to like that. So there may, there may be fines and penalties and back taxes. Mm-hmm. And the same thing applies to the individual. If you think you're an independent contractor, but you're not really, and maybe you're deducting your gas and you're deducting your mortgage and whatnot. Well, if CRA says, what are you doing? You really are an employee. Oops. There may be some fines and penalties and taxes to pay. So it's in everyone's interest, John, to get this right. A few more emails to go here. You want to send one along. Still got a few more minutes in the show here. one 821 5900 is the number when we're not on the air anytime. And that email address, help at employmenthour.com. We'll continue with more of the Employment Hour. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Back to the all-email show. That's what we're calling it, help at employmenthour.com. And the uh, the phone number as well, one 821 5900 Crystal, up next, says, I'm a, a private school teacher, and my contract gets renewed at the end of the school year. I just found out that I am pregnant, and I'm worried that they won't renew my contract at the end of the year. Can they do that? Well, first, congratulations on, on being pregnant. That's very exciting. And, and certainly, you should know now that you're pregnant that the law protects you. So what does that mean? That means you cannot be rejected for the contract, or or I should say the school cannot decide not to renew your contract because you're pregnant. Uh, Now, if they decide to not renew it for reasons that are completely unrelated to the pregnancy, okay, but otherwise they have to renew it. So let me use an example. If they've been renewing your contract every year for the last seven years, uh, and now all of a sudden they don't, and the only thing that's changed is now you're pregnant, well, clearly... They're doing it because of the pregnancy, and that's illegal. They can't do that. That's a human rights violation. That could be a violation of the Employment Standards Act. It's illegal. They cannot do that and should not do that. So what do you do? When you're ready, you tell your employer that you're pregnant. Uh, That's a personal decision as to when to tell them. And when you tell them, you know that if they all of a sudden don't renew your agreement, you got to reach out to me because we probably have them on some illegal conduct right there. The other thing I'll say is this. Depending on how long uh, she's worked there, she may already be considered a regular full-time indefinite employee. If the contract kind of renews every year, then the contract becomes meaningless. If you work for a job and let's say once a year they renew the contract and and round and round we go, after about three or so of these contracts, the law is going to say forget about contracts. Clearly the intention is that you be a regular full-time indefinite employee and if they decide not to renew, they can't say, oh, we're not renewing, we don't owe anything. They would owe you full severance, again, because you're a regular employee. So after that, you know, said number of contracts, three or four, now you enjoy all the benefits of being an employee if that ever happens, yes? That's exactly right. You enjoy those benefits. You have the rights. uh, And certainly, irrespective of that issue, if you're not uh, not having your contract renewed because of your pregnancy, because you're taking maternity leave, if that's the reason they don't renew, even if it's part of the reason, not the whole reason, just Mm -hmm. part of it, that is completely illegal. There's no no humor in the law when it comes to these things. It's a big deal. Uh, Chris will reach out for sure. 1-855-821-5900. Frank got you next. He says, uh, 
I applied for a job and went through two interviews after which I was offered the position. Two days before I was supposed to start, the HR manager called me and told me that they have decided not to hire me after all. I'm extremely upset, Leora, and want to know if there's anything I can do. We talked about this at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Here we are. And here, exactly here we are. It's not that uncommon a situation. Probably over the years, I've seen probably six, seven, or maybe even more of these matters where someone is offered a job, and of course, uh, then the job comes off the table. So what I want to know is what, in fact, did this person lose as right. a result of accepting the offer? If they were unemployed, they accepted the offer, and now the offer is pulled off the table, well, maybe they haven't lost anything financially. If They can't point to any physical or, or financial losses. So there may not be much that you can do. But if you lost something, maybe you relocated, so that there's a cost to that, or maybe you quit your other job. And now, of course, there's a cost to that. You're induced by the company. You're induced, yeah. Then if that's the situation, then you may actually be owed severance to compensate you for your losses. So as long as you can show that you lost something because of it, uh, maybe you bought a new car because you thought this job requires me to travel, so I bought a new car. Now what the heck do I do with this new car? I don't need it. Well, again, there's losses there that the company may have to compensate you for it. So this is a classic situation, as I said at the beginning of the show, that even though you've never worked for the company, they may still owe you compensation hmm. because they offered you a job and then they took it off the table. one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com is the email address. Helen says, my job title is sales manager, but I don't manage anyone. But my boss says that I don't qualify for overtime. Who's right? Is that right? Well, we talked uh, last segment about misclassifying people as independent, yeah. independent contractors and saying, well, you're an independent contractor, so you don't have rights. Well, another form of misclassifying people is calling them a manager to avoid paying overtime because overtime uh, is not paid to managers. Managers are exempt. So if you're a real manager and you work 50 hours this week, you're not going to get paid overtime because, unfortunately, the Employment Standards Act says no overtime. So some employers say, ah, wait a second, let's just call someone a manager and then we don't have to pay them overtime. How smart are we? Well, as smart as you may be, the law is somewhat smarter mm -hmm. because if someone doesn't actually perform a job as a manager, if there's no managerial responsibilities, then that person is not a manager and they're owed overtime. I've seen this happen so many times. So you have the title of a sales manager, but you don't do anything other than maybe manage your own sales. You, you don't manage people. You don't make important decisions about the company. In that situation, you get overtime. So even though managers are exempt from overtime, John, just having the title of the manager doesn't mean you don't get it. We have to look at the actual job. And if you don't perform managerial responsibilities and you work more than 44 hours a week, you get paid overtime. And as a last point here, remember, overtime is paid if you work more than 44 hours a week, whether you're salary or hourly. You still get time and a half for anything over 44. Someone's saying, okay, salary, how do I calculate overtime? I don't get paid by the hour. Well, whatever salary you get for a week is good for 44 hours. So if you make 1000 bucks a week, you take $1,000, you divide it by 44. That gives you an rate. hourly rate. Cool. And then one and a half times that is what you get for anything over 44 hours a week. Very simple. one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. I think we got time to squeeze another email in before we, uh, we take a short break here. Fill your up says, after my company let me go, I told them that I believe they owe me more severance. Uh, a day later, I received another termination letter saying that I'm being fired for cause with no severance. Uh, what do I do now? This is probably a company caught with their pants down, so to speak. They realize, holy cow, we have to pay this person more severance. And he knows about it. 
So let's come up with a reason and an excuse not to pay them that severance. Oh, we know. That we'll fire him. Yeah, yeah. Let's say he did something bad <laughs> and solved. we're letting him go for cause and right. now we don't have to pay severance. Yeah, no. It doesn't work that way. In fact, by doing that, clearly they're acting in bad faith. Clearly they're making it up. And the law can come down pretty hard on them for making stuff up. So this is a situation you don't need to be intimidated. These are probably bogus allegations. Call me. I'll help you make sure that you get what you're owed. Don't be bullied by it. Don't be worried. We'll resolve it fairly quickly. You can just picture the HR desk, right? Come on. Okay, guys. No bad ideas. No bad ideas. Fire them. That's the one. Doesn't work. Sorry. Nice try, though. We'll take a, a short break. A few more emails as we uh, get down to the nitty-gritty of the show here. one 821 5900 That's the number you want to use to get a hold of Lior and the team at the firm. You can go to severancepaycalculator.com as well. That is to figure out exactly how much severance you're owed. Good baseline and a contact at the bottom. Or don't have to be. Can be completely uh, anonymous in that regard. And the email address is help at employmenthour.com as well. This is the Employment Hour. It's right here. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That's the number you want to keep on your phone if you ever got to get a hold of the or at any time. That's a number to call and to get a member of his team on the line. Help at employmenthour.com is the email. Sean up next says sales targets in my job have been increased by a whopping thirty percent. I get bonuses based on meeting targets, so my my compensation will be reduced. What can I do? It's all right, guys. <coughs> Need water. Sorry. <coughs> Ew. Frog in my throat. Ew. All right, sales manager targets, blah, 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 blah. Well, John, obviously, if your targets are being changed and your compensation is based on meeting those targets, you're going to make less money. And what, what, do, what do we call when someone has their compensation reduced? We call that? Constructive dismissal. A constructive dismissal. So it doesn't have to be a direct line where we just told your employee we're reducing your pay by 20%. It could be an indirect reduction where we're changing your targets. Because we've changed your targets, the effect is going to be that you make less money Mm -hmm. because you you get paid on those targets. So unless there's a really, really good reason, like I I can't even think off the top of my head what that reason would be, uh, that change in target is a constructive dismissal. So what I want you to do is I want you to tell your company that you don't accept it. You don't agree with it. That's going to mean you get paid less. And if they still say, well, too bad, we're doing it anyway, you have a choice. You can treat that as a constructive dismissal or you can continue working and hope for the best and hope that it doesn't impact your compensation. Uh, So make that choice, but do tell your employer, try to resolve it internally. Try to tell them, no, here's how this is going to impact me. I expect my pay is going to be changed by 20% and hopefully they'll back off or maybe they'll find a way to make it up to you with something else. If they don't, if they say we don't care, we just do it anyway, you potentially have the right right there to treat that as a constructive dismissal. What if, you know, Sean's a pretty ambitious guy, he's a pretty good salesman, even though there's been a 30% increase. He's like, you know what? I think I could do it. I love this job. Can he take it out for a spin? Can he try it without getting let go or, or meeting his targets or getting fired? Well, this is a tough situation. I would probably say no, but here's why. Because let's say he, he works really, really, really hard and he meets those targets. Well, the thing is, if the targets were lower the way they were, he'd be still making more money, presumably. Right. So uh, if, if it would result in a reduction in pay either way, then there's nothing to, to, to test. If you're not sure, maybe they change the structure and there's still a chance that you can still make the same amount of money, I would tell the company at that point, I'm concerned about it, but I'm willing to try it out. Right. And if you try it out and it turns out that your concerns were legitimate, you are making less money. You now have the pay stubs to show it. Then you can treat that as a constructive dismissal. Help at employmenthour.com. The phone number one 821 5900 We'll get to Jill finally here. 
Jill writes in, says, my boss regularly makes comments about how I look and the clothes that I'm wearing. This makes me very uncomfortable and I don't know what to do. By the way, John, you look pretty good today. Thanks, big guy. Yeah, no problem. It's the pink shirt. It's doing it for you. <laughs> John, all joking aside, uh, obviously being subjected to these comments in the workplace, it's inappropriate. It's not the 1800s yeah. when that type of language, that type of conduct was acceptable. Uh, you know, we, we now know that that's not right. We now know that men or women, no one should have to tolerate these types of sexualized comments. So what, what do you do in this situation? I would see if you can resolve it internally. So is there someone you can speak to, a, a, a boss, an HR manager, someone, and let them know here's what's happening. It's making me feel uncomfortable. It's crossing a line. I don't want to have to deal with this anymore and see if they'll fix it. Uh, if see, maybe they'll talk to this person, tell them, no, you can't do that. Uh, or maybe separate the two of you, whatever it is, to fix the problem. If the problem gets fixed, problem solved, no problem. If the problem doesn't get fixed, or maybe there's no one else to talk to because it's the owner of the company that's uh, you know doing this, then you may then uh, be in a position where you have to treat that as a constructive dismissal and say, no, this in, a sexualized poison work environment has been created. I shouldn't have to tolerate it. I shouldn't have to go to work every day and, and, and tolerate that and be subjected to that. You may be able to say, I'm out of here. I'm going to treat that as a constructive dismissal, leave with severance and find a different job where they're going to treat me better. So try to resolve it internally. If you can't talk to me, we may want to uh, build up the record a bit, send some emails confirming exactly what's happened so that there is that record, so that it's not just a he said, she said type of a situation, and then we'll get you out of there with your severance. But again, internally, always is the first step, if possible. Is there a human rights angle to this one, if it's sexual harassment? Oh, yeah, of course. If you're being mistreated on the basis of, of, of sex, if it has any sexual connotations, it's arguably sexual discrimination. And because of that, that's a human rights violation. So not only... Is it a constructive dismissal? You may be owed damages under the Human Rights Code. It's illegal, it's wrong, and no one should have to tolerate it. Again, one 821 5900 help at employmenthour.com. Just a couple minutes to go here. Give me some details, uh, first of all, in the severance pay calculator. So, John, we've referred to it already a couple times on the show today, and if you've lost your job, are worried about losing your job, or maybe are curious, maybe it's the family member that's losing their job, severancepaycalculator.com is the place to go to. I call that the severancepaycalculator.com challenge. If you think you know how much you're actually owed, write it on a piece of paper. Put that number down and then go to severancepaycalculator.com. You will be surprised. I bet you that number on that piece of paper is going to be a lot less. Not because the severancepaycalculator.com is wrong, because most people don't understand or appreciate how much they're actually owed if they lost your job. Most employers don't appreciate how much they owe employees. So the first place you go to, severancepaycalculator.com, it's easy to use, it's anonymous, it's free, there's no strings attached, it takes seconds to use it, so there's no excuse. Check it out right now, severancepaycalculator.com. You know, there's another one we often use, or at least uh, we get reference to when it comes to emails and questions, that is terminationquestions.com as well. What is that? Terminationquestions.com is another way that I've allowed or created uh, that allow people to get information, legal answers, without actually having to call a lawyer. I've decided or I've learned that some people don't like to call lawyers. I don't know why that is. We're nice guys and girls. But if you don't want to call us, you can go to severancepaycalculator.com or you can just post the questions on terminationquestions.com. Either myself or one of my colleagues will answer it, usually within minutes. So it's a very good way to get answers to your specific situation 
terminationquestions.com. Done for another show. Reach out to those websites, including severancepaycalculator.com. You can always send an email, help at employmenthour.com, and the phone number. Keep it with you, one 821 5900 Till next time, Employment Hour, right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.